0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Now, I'm probably not the first, but let me be among the first to say, may the Lord bless you in this new year. I hope you were able to enjoy the celebration of Christmas and the coming of yet another year, 2023. I'm thankful for a reprieve sandwiched in between the nearly non-stop bad policy news coming from the lame duck session and the 118th Congress, which is about to begin. Well, today we're going to step back in that reprieve and we're going to talk about some good news. We're actually going to talk about the Bible. Does the Bible really matter for those who want to follow Christ? Do you really need it? I mean, it's a book that was written by 40 different writers over a period of about 1500 years The Old Testament was written 3,500 years ago, and the last of the New Testament books was written probably around 95 A.D., so 1,928 years ago. So, in this age of iPhones and space travel, is it still relevant? Well, Dr. George Barnett joins us for that conversation. Then, it's the best-selling book of all time, but is it the most read? For those who do read it, does it have a tangible and practical impact on their life? Well, Dr. John Plake of the American Bible Society is with us with that answer. And finally, FRC's Dr. Keenan Curitan joins me to talk about some exciting new resources coming up in 2023 to accompany FRC's journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word. So that's all coming up in this edition of Washington. Watch the website, TonyPerkins.com. Links to all the resources right there at that website. Our word for today comes from Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, The Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God, and who can proclaim as I do? Then let Him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Wow, what a great reminder as we begin a new year. The Lord is Lord from beginning to end. There is no other God. There are invitations, but there is no other God. As we trust in him as our rock, we have no reason to fear. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, if you're over the age of 18, then probably the year seemed to tick by like second hand, the second hand on a watch. Of course, you'd probably have to be over 40 to know what a second hand on a watch is. It's a new year, but the old challenges have not left us. It, uh, it is good to have a new resolve to face both the challenges and the opportunities that we are faced with in 2023. The best way to take on the increasingly chaotic world in which we live is with an understanding of the world from the creator of the world, God. And the way we do that is through his word, the Bible. Now, this is called a biblical worldview, looking at the world around us through the words of the one who created it and gave us the roadmap to navigate it. But how many Christians actually look at the world this way? How can we obtain a biblical worldview? And how can we teach this to our children so that they can see the world this way? Well, join me now to discuss this in more is Dr. George Barna, Senior Research Fellow for the Center for Biblical Worldview at the Family Research Council. George, welcome back to Washington Watch.
2: Tony, always good to be with you. And Happy New Year. to you, my friend. Now,
1: you've spent a lifetime Studying how people think and behave. And you've said we're we're faced with a crisis. And that crisis that we're facing, it's not not the debt, although that's a problem. It's not the global instability, although that's a problem. It's not even the, the social and moral crisis that we're faced with through the policies advanced by government, although those are problematic. You really go to the heart of the matter. What is this crisis that you talk about?
2: Well, Tony, all the issues that you've alluded to exist as problems for us and everyone else because of the prevailing worldview of Americans. A worldview is what causes you to make your decisions. It helps you to make sense of the world, helps you to figure out who you are, what kind of person you want to be, what kind of life you want to live, how you're going to do that. And so when you look at all those issues, it's a result of the cumulative worldviews of Americans and the decisions that emanate from that. So if we want to pull our country back together, we want to be a stable, solid, reliable, trustworthy group of people, it all comes back to worldview. And the problem that we've got is that currently so few people, less than one out of every 20 Americans, has a biblical worldview And until we get back to the point where we recognize there's only one source of truth, and that's God, and that God has communicated that truth to us in one book, the Bible, and he gave that to us so that we can thrive in life, which is his greatest desire for us. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to make good, right, proper, appropriate decisions. And so he gave us the guidebook for that. But until we're willing to go back and recognize him and his words as being the thing that we need to guide us we're still going to continue with those other problems
1: so george a, a worldview is the framework by which we evaluate the world around us we, we we it's the lenses through which if you like glasses we look through and we see the world around us so how do you get that i mean is that something in order from amazon i mean how do you get the a worldview
2: I wish it were that easy, and, and finally, I'd be able to uh, support Amazon. But uh, no, unfortunately, it's much more difficult than that. We know that a person's worldview begins developing at 15 to 18 months of age and is pretty much formed in full and for the rest of their life by the age of 13. And so how does that develop during those early years? It develops by direct teaching us telling children what to think, what to believe, how to interpret different aspects of reality. It develops by us modeling the principles of a biblical worldview, those principles that are in God's word. It develops by the reinforcement that we give to our children when they do things that are consistent with the way that God has called us to live. And so that's all very important, but it's very intentional. A worldview doesn't happen by accident. It's very intentional.
1: I mean, that sounds like uh, what uh, the Lord told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, that you're to talk about these things with your children when you sit down, when you rise up, when you walk in the way. I mean, the parents should be talking about the things of God to their children, including the Word of God, to help them understand how that integrates with the world around them. Is that what Scripture says?
2: Very much. I mean, if you go back to that passage in Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about how to be a parent, that children are a gift from God, but we have a responsibility to raise them in a particular way. Most Americans, I know from the research I've done, do not believe that children are necessarily a gift from God. And most of them uh, certainly do not believe that the way they raise their children is the single most important thing they'll do in their life. And so when you read that particular portion of Scripture and other passages in in Proverbs and elsewhere, it talks about this has to always be on your mind. Everything that you do should be done with the idea of demonstrating to your children and, and describing to your children how to live a godly, righteous, appropriate life. And it's imperative that you do this every day from morning till night and that you encourage them to become Christ like. That's what good parenting ultimately is.
1: That's the intentionality you talked about. You have to be diligent, intentional. It doesn't just happen, you have to be focused on this. So let's, let's talk about the, the, the worldviews that are out there. I mean, what are the competing worldviews? What do we see in America today when it comes to worldview?
2: There are seven or eight different major philosophies of life that are taught at universities and even in some high schools and elsewhere. Certainly you're exposed to them through entertainment and arts all the time. There are things like postmodernism, secular humanism, Marxism, uh, Eastern mysticism, and so on. People have heard all these names. They don't know very much about the content of those philosophies of life. So what happens is, very insidiously, we become exposed to ideas from those different philosophies. And what I've discovered is that most people, if it feels good to them, they embrace it without thinking about the long-term or deeper implications of embracing those particular principles. And frankly, what we discovered is that, by far, the most common worldview in America today is what we call syncretism where almost nine out of 10 Americans have that as their dominant worldview. And all that is, is simply taking different elements from many different worldviews, piecing them together into a customized, personalized worldview that makes us feel good about ourselves and our world and our future. And it may have nothing to do with God. It may have nothing to do with truth. More than anything else, it's an emotional reaction to what is going to make us feel good and feel right.
1: I mean, that sounds like uh, again referring to the Old Testament, where every man did what was right in his own eyes. Uh, there
2: exactly it, it, it. Yeah,
1: it, they just it, it we're just kind of freestyling. We're we're, we're collecting, and, and there was a lot of syncretic uh, syncretism when it came to the worship of the Old Testament, where they blended the idols of the uh, of, of Canaan with the worship of the true God. That's what led them astray. Let's go back very quickly before we run out of time, because I want to get the, to the heart of the matter. You made reference to when a worldview begins. It starts as a child between you know, 13, 15 months to 13 years. And, and I think I've, we've t- discussed this before. Your research shows that most people, when they die, have the same worldview that they had when they were 13 years old. Uh, very little change takes place. So that that first 13 years seems to be very critical. Could that be why there is such a battle to have early childhood education and for you know government schools to get our children at earlier and earlier ages?
2: I think that's exactly why. I mean, I, I'm not the only uh, researcher who's identified the fact that that worldview gets developed very young may have been one of the first, but now a lot of organizations are piling onto that and realizing, okay, so winning over the children is very important. And of course, that's always been one of Satan's strategies. But if you look at world leaders, totalitarian leaders in particular, many of them have made statements like, if you give me a child till he's seven, or if you give me a child till he's nine, I'll have them for the rest of their life and that's exactly what's happening now in America is that many organizations many individuals many factions are realizing that if we want to maintain power and authority for a long period of time if we train the children to think the way we want them to think when they're young we're not going to have to fight a battle with the parents later on because we'll already have won them over
1: well we're we're actually seeing that unfold this goes to the importance of parents and pastors Uh, Sunday school teachers, realizing those formative years, beginning in the nursery uh, all the way up uh, through elementary school and into junior high. Uh, George, we're out of time, uh, but I want to thank you again for joining us and appreciate the work you do in our Center for Biblical Worldview. And we're going to be coming out with some resources this year to help parents and help pastors develop that worldview in the young people in their churches. So, George... Great to see you, and again, have a, a wonderful new year.
2: Thanks, Tony. Same to you.
1: And folks, so stick, stick around. We're going to talk more about this. Next, we're going to be discussing the the, uh, the impact that being in the Bible has upon your life. Dr. John Plague, Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society and co-author of the annual State of the Bible Report, will join us next and again. Coming up this year, we're going to have lots of resources. Keenan Curitan joins us later to talk about something.
0: Today, there are countless news outlets and so much opposing information. It can be hard to find a source you can really trust. This is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online daily news outlet that provides news and commentary on the biggest issues of the day all written from a biblical worldview. Find credible reporting at WashingtonStand.com so that you know how to stand firm in our day. Again, stay informed by visiting WashingtonStand.com.
3: It is so important for God's children to spend time with Him in His Word, but it can be difficult to know where to start. We know that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. That is why Family Research Council offers their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. This plan will help you read the Bible daily so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. Attention university students. Are you looking to be equipped as a Christian leader and to influence the culture from a biblical worldview? Join us at Family Research Council for our internship program. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, you will grow personally and professionally. This paid 12- to 15-week program is designed to give you real-world experience and to prepare you for wherever God calls you. Apply today at frc.org internships.
4: Persecution of Christians is growing globally and becoming more aggressive every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares stories from those who have faced religious persecution and takes a close look at the tragic circumstances Christians often face due to threatening opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of real perseverance and devotion offer encouragement and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies behind the hostility and persecution what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the plight of these faithful believers. It is important for us to learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ who suffer deeply and do what we can to help them. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith.
0: With FRC's Stand Firm app, you will have access to all of our content right at your fingertips. The Stand Firm app provides you with a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and Washington Stand articles. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that matter to you. Visit the App Store on your mobile device and search Stand Firm to download FRC's Stand Firm app.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Well, as we begin 2023, it is my hope that this year sparks a revival of Christians engaging in the Word of God, reading the Word of God. We just heard George Barna discuss why the Bible matters in the importance of a biblical worldview and how we develop a biblical worldview. We cannot develop a biblical worldview if we're not reading the Bible. I mean, how can we stand for truth if we don't know the truth? Jesus, in John 17, prayed for his followers, which includes us. And he prayed this to the Father. He said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You know, we're sanctified or set apart to serve God, enjoy the blessings of God as we are in his word and sanctified by it. Now, I take take vitamins every morning, in large part to protect my health and strengthen my body. But I also spend time in the word of God every morning to guard my heart and mind from that which would rob me of my spiritual strength and so that I can be stronger spiritually. There are benefits to being in the Word. And joining me now to talk about this is Dr. John Plake. He is the Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society and co-author of the annual State of the Bible Report. Dr. Plake, welcome back to Washington Watch.
5: Thank you, Tony. Happy New Year.
1: A happy New Year to you as well. And uh, we're starting the year off talking about the Bible. And, of course, we've been encouraging people to get in the Word of God, make those New Year's resolutions to uh, to read the Word. But over the course of uh, this year's State of the Bible report, your team at the American Bible Society found that Scripture engagement leads to some very practical and powerful um, and tangible, I should say, these are not just things that uh, are out there; these are things that really impact their lives simply by being in the Word of God. Tell us about it.
5: you know you're right. We've found that the more deeply people engage with the Bible and when we when we talk about scripture engagement, we mean people that are reading the Bible on a consistent basis that might be every day and it might not be, but consistently getting into God's Word and really allowing it to speak to them. And when they do that, we found that they become better neighbors, that their stress levels decrease, that their levels of human flourishing, as defined by some wonderful scholars at Harvard, uh, those domains of human flourishing begin to increase, and they become incredibly generous with their lives. And They're the kind of people I want to be around, and I think most Americans want to be around people who are
1: being influenced by God's Word in those ways. You mean it's that simple, that just being in the Word of God causes you to change the way you interact with other people?
5: Simple might be a bit of an overstatement. So it is certainly practical, and there's a straight line between engaging with God's Word and really growing and becoming the kind of person that all of us, I think, aspire to be. John Ortberg, many years ago, wrote a book called The Me I Want to Be, and I think the Bible, in many ways, is a a guidebook, a path that helps us to connect with God, to hear His voice, and to become the me I want to be in this new year. So, there is some discipline that can be involved in that. There are some challenges that come to developing any new habit, but the payoff is just
1: huge. Now, what did you find in your research when it comes to to people who have a personal relationship with Jesus? They know Him as their Savior, Uh, They have made him their Lord of their lives. What is their relationship when it comes to the reading of the Bible? What what are their habits? Well, what we found is that people who are what we call practicing
5: Christians, and the Barna Group developed this measure, and we're grateful to be able to use it. These are people who identify as Christians. Who are regularly attending church and who say their faith is very important in their lives. And what we find is that people who are practicing Christians and are deeply engaging with God's word, they're really experiencing a, a tremendous life. But we also found an interesting gap and really a challenging gap for us. And that is that in the youngest three generations in America, and those would be people who are age 57 and younger, down to 18. Um, The youngest three generations of adults in America, more than two-thirds of those who have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as their Savior at some point in their lives, they're actually not practicing Christians today. And so they're experiencing a commitment to Christ, but a barrier to engaging with their faith. And I think that discipleship gap is a challenge for the church, but it's also a great opportunity to say, as we engage with God's word, we become more able to overcome those barriers and continue our journey of spiritual vitality
1: and faith. Is there a relationship between those who who drift away and as you say, no longer practice or engage in their faith? And the steady diet of the word. I mean, if you're not reading the word, I would think it's so much easier to drift away and and lose connection with your faith.
5: You're absolutely right, Tony. And that's why we really need a community of believers around us. You know, uh, maybe 50 years ago in America, if you handed someone a Bible, they probably knew what to do with it. Uh, But today, many Americans who are open to the Bible, even curious about what the Bible says, if I hand them a Bible, they don't know where to start. They don't know how to find what they're looking for. And so one of the challenges that we have is to invite people into the truths of God's word through the doorway of the challenges or questions they might be facing in their own lives. And so I think when we do that, uh, I found this in my personal interaction with friends and neighbors, when I can connect them to the answers that they're looking for in scripture, I see really two common responses. The first one is this, wow, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know the Bible talked about the thing that's facing me in the 21st century. And then the second thing that often follows with it is, I wonder what else is in here. And there's a curious openness to exploring scripture. People just need a guide. They need some help to find their way around. But when they dig into God's word, they find the help
1: they're looking for. So it, it's basically, we've got to, to introduce people to the word of God where they are. And as it's kind of like, uh, we, we have our, our two year journey through the Bible and I kind of use the illustration of a hike, uh, hiking through, I love to hike through the Appalachian Trail uh, through the mountains there. And you know, when you're a beginner, you do a little bit. You take on a short hike, and so I think it's just it's introducing them, as you said, to those points that are very relevant and meet a a current need, and that develops an appetite to go further uh, in the Word of God. John, we're up against a break. Uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk about another aspect that you discovered in your annual report, talking about. Christians and their generosity. But somehow there's a connection between the Word of God and being a generous person. I want to talk about that next. John Plake, my guest with the American Bible Society, we're talking about the Word of God and its practical impact upon our lives. We're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Plake on the other side of the break. And then later, Dr. Keenan Curitan joins me to talk about some of the resources that we have to help you if you'd like to join us on our journey through the Word of God. That's coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
3: It is so important for God's children to spend time with Him in His Word. But at times, knowing where to start can prove difficult. And for some, creating a habit of reading the Word daily is even harder. That is why Family Research Council offers their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily, so you can understand the nature of God, how His Word speaks into cultural issues, and grow closer to Him. We know that the Word of God is rich, for it is written that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And so it is important for believers to read the Word and apply it to everyday life. God's Word is powerful, but we don't have to be overwhelmed or intimidated at the thought of reading it. We can explore the Word with other believers so that we may better understand it and be transformed by it together. Join us by signing up today to get the daily passages and questions. Just go to frc.org Bible.
4: In today's culture, men need a battle plan, a call to biblical manhood, where they can be reminded of God's design for them to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Curtin's new book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan for men on how to take on their God-given responsibility in a culture swiftly turning away from God's design. The authors present the Old Testament book of Joshua and his leadership as the focus of their study, asking readers to consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. Now is the time for men to take on their role in the family and society and truly live out their God-given purpose. To purchase your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch and Happy New Year. I'm glad that you have tuned in today check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Now, I'm continuing my conversation with Dr. John Plake, Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society and co-author of the annual State of the Bible Report. John, thanks so much for uh, sticking with us. I want to go uh, to a point that, in fact, it was the last portion of your release of uh, last year's uh, uh, annual report, and it talked about the connection between those who are in the Word Uh, believers who are reading the word and generosity. Can you speak to that?
5: Yeah, I can. One of the things that we have seen studied before by other scholars, uh, is this notion that the most generous people in the world are the people who are in church on Sunday morning. And so we knew there was a connection to religious adherence, but we didn't know about the role of the Bible in all of this. And what we found was that scripture engaged people and this is a category that we've developed. It's about 19% of American adults are considered scripture engaged by our measurements. They account for 44% of the total charitable giving by individuals in the United States, which is just a tremendous number. That amounts to $145 billion given to charities in 2021. And we believe that that's gonna continue into 2022. In fact, later this week, we begin the 2023 State of the Bible Research Project, and we'll be talking to Americans all over the country about that. But it's just amazing the generosity of people who read God's word, who understand how generous God has been with us, and therefore we can be generous with others.
1: You know, years ago, Arthur Brooks had a book called uh, Who Really Cares, and he talked about that. I, it was a fascinating book, and he took more of an analytical look based on uh, tax data and, 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 that, and uh, that information, economic information, but basically came up with the, the same conclusion that your report did. And it, it it really goes back to what the Bible says. I remember when Jesus pointed out the, the widow and the mite, you know, the little bit that she dropped in, the, that she gave more, than the rich man, because proportionately she gave all that she had. And that's what uh, Arthur Brooks discovered in, in his research, that it is the poor, the working poor, not, the, not those that are on the government uh, dole, but those who are the working poor, if you will, that give. And, 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 and they get the benefit from it by, by giving. We're, not only is the person who received blessed, but the giver is blessed.
5: And, you know, we found, Tony, that at all income levels, whether we're talking about people who make the the lowest household incomes in America to people who make the highest household incomes in America, those things, they have an effect. The poorest people in America struggle to meet their own needs and they have more pressures on on their income. But across the spectrum of income, people who are engaged with God's word. Are generous with others, and they find ways to be generous with their finances, to be generous with their time, to care for others. And so there's a generosity of spirit and of action that comes from engaging with God's Word
1: that's just heartening to see. And it leads to well-being emotionally, and even, as uh, Arthur pointed out, even physical well-being. You know, John, this would um, suggest to me that the Bible knows what it's talking about when it gives guidance to us for living, You'll get no argument from me on that.
5: I I found it in my own life that as I trust God with everything that he has blessed me and my family with, and as I learn to be generous, that you can't outgive God. And that's a lesson that was taught to me by my parents and my grandparents, but now I learn it in my own life day to day.
1: I know the American Bible Society, you're all about the Bible and you want want people to be in the Bible, so you do this research about it. So many, you know, they'll open the Bible, and you you touched on this, they'll open the Bible, and, you know, they're overwhelmed with what they see. So what would be your advice to those who have never had a a Bible reading plan or never attempted to read the Bible? Maybe they hear it when they go to church. Uh, They may have cracked it open occasionally. Where would you recommend they start? You know, there's some wonderful things
5: that are helping people engage with the Bible across America. And one of those newer things is digital Bible apps. And there are lots of them out there. There are places like Bible Gateway or YouVersion and other kinds of apps that break the Bible down into reading plans that have been created to help people address the issues they're facing. Like, how can I be a good parent? Or how do I deal with anxiety? Or um, how do I make sure that God's a good part of this new relationship that I'm starting? Whatever those disruptors are in our lives, positive or negative, the Bible has wisdom for us. And so I would recommend you start there, number one. Number two, Get with a community of believers who are also studying God's Word. And that can be through a program like yours, Tony. You have a wonderful Bible reading plan, and you lead people through Scripture, and that's a great way to connect. And there are other ways, local communities of faith and small groups that simply go through Scripture on its own terms and ask their questions of the Bible. There's just no substitute for being around people who are on that spiritual journey together, and they're turning to God's Word to help guide them and direct them.
1: That sounds biblical. Uh, the Lord says that we should not uh, neglect coming together as believers, encouraging one another. So, John, there you go again, giving that Bible instruction. Hey, I want to thank you for joining. We're, we're up against the break again, but I want to thank you for joining us today. And I look forward to, uh, to this year's uh, report that you'll be doing. And I'm sure we're going to be talking uh, throughout the course of the year. So may the Lord bless you and all of the work there at the American Bible Society. We greatly appreciate the work you do. Thank you, Tony. God bless you. All right, folks, don't go away. We've been discussing the Bible throughout this entire program. After the break, my next guest will let you know some great resources that the Family Research Council is developing to help you on that journey as you go with us through the Bible. Nothing is more important than being in the Word of God as a believer and follower. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, stick around. Dr. Keenan Kiratin is next.
0: Today, there are countless news outlets and so much opposing information, it can be hard to find a source you can really trust. This is why Family Research Council created the Washington Stand. FRC's online news platform with a goal to provide readers with honest, free, and timely news stories and commentaries, all from a biblical worldview. The Washington Stand is based in Washington, D.C., with a team of reporters who provide reliable information on the top issues of the day. They cover breaking news on the biggest Supreme Court decisions, share critical stories in public education, give updates on the state of religious liberty domestically and abroad, and more. The Washington Stand was created to keep you and your family informed on events that are affecting faith, family, and freedom. Stay informed and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. Again, that's WashingtonStand.com.
3: Are you a university student or do you know a university student, one looking to be equipped as a Christian leader and to learn how to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Join us at Family Research Council for our 12- to 15-week internship program. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, you will grow in personal and professional development. You will have the opportunity to work in a variety of departments, with positions ranging from policy to communications, allowing you to gain real-world experience working directly with our experts. FRC seeks to guide interns in pursuing careers of influence so they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to grow in community and experience the city. Take the next step in your professional journey and have the experience of a lifetime. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply.
0: When persecution comes, will you be prepared to stand? Throughout scripture, believers are told that they should expect to be persecuted. In John, Jesus warns his disciples that if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. With that knowledge, Christians shouldn't live in fear, but they ought to prepare their hearts to stand faithfully in the face of trials. Most Christians in the U.S. feel far removed from the threat of persecution, but Pastor Andrew Brunson knows persecution well. In October 2016, Brunson was held for two years in Turkish prisons after being falsely accused of terrorism. After a worldwide prayer movement and significant political pressure from the U.S. government, he was released in October 2018. And since then, Andrew has taken up the call to urge Christians in the West to prepare for hostility. Brunson led an eight-part video series titled Prepare to Stand to help fellow believers. Watch this important series by going to frc.org slash prepare to stand.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. And again, Happy New Year. As we begin 2023, we're now halfway through Family Research Council's second journey through our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan. Now, we created this plan back in 2020 to encourage people to read through the scripture by devoting daily time for this as a as a deliberate habit, as we were just talking about with Dr. Plake being, actually, this was what we were talking about that with um, uh, George Barn about being intentional. We've got to be intentional. These things don't just happen. Good things don't just happen. You've got to be intentional about them. So, we entered our, our we enter our third year of this program, uh, and here with me to talk about the importance of the Bible reading plan, some of the resources we have available for you, and why it's never too late for anyone to jump in is FRC's vice president for Christian resources Dr. Keenan Curritan. Keenan, welcome back to the program. Tony, great to be with you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year now for those of our viewers and listeners who have uh, heard me discuss the Bible reading plan which i I mention every day as we have our word for the day uh, but they've yet to participate in it what can you tell them about it
6: well it's it's really as it, it's a great plan um, because it really is just about God's word you know there are a lot of you know a lot of devotional plans out there you you can go. Uh, on the web and find pretty much anything you want to, but one of the great things about what you came up with, Tony, is that we're not reading a devotional book, we're reading the book. <laughs> we're reading the Bible itself and and you know and and the way that you've laid it out, um, it, it's chronologically prioritized. So we go through the scriptures um, as much as we can in a chronological fashion. you You take the Bible as the events happen in history. And it's in bite-sized chunks. It only takes about 10, 15 minutes to read. And also we have, uh, you know, to help people stay engaged. A couple of questions for discussion. So this, this plan is really meant to be shared. And it's a great resource to use with your family or with a
1: group of friends. Yeah, the family is really what it was designed for. And going back to your comments about the, you know, Bible uh Commentaries and are the the, the the devotional books. You know, when, when my kids were little, little there was of course I've got a good span of age in in my kids, and um, I was trying to find a devotional book that I could use with all of them. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I tried and I tried and I tried, and I, tried, and I just couldn't find anything that that works. So out of desperation, I just turned to the Bible. And, uh, you know, we we began to use the Bible, and we developed this plan, and then I ended up using it uh, at the church when I was pastoring, and then we've we've had it now at FRC. But the Word of God itself is what we need to be into. I'm not against—I mean, I use commentaries. I'm not against commentaries, but I I am not a big fan of devotional books that just give you one little verse— and then go off on a tangent because it's the systematic study of the Word of God that helps us understand its application to the world in which we live.
6: Absolutely. You know, that everybody everybody spending time reading and studying the Bible is so important because the Bible is literally God-breathed, Paul says there in 2 Timothy 3.16. In other words, The Bible is God's very word to us. You know, the book of Hebrews says that God's word is living and active. It's not dead text on a dusty page. And while the text is forever fixed, those applications are fluid and they can fit every situation and circumstance we face in life. I mean, the Bible answers the big questions like, where did I come from? Why am I here? You know, where am I going? And, And not only does the Bible answer those big questions, it offers practical advice in areas such as, you know, how can I deal with feelings of fear or anger or guilt? Or how can I forgive when I can't forget? Or, you know, what should I look for in a spouse? Or how can I have a successful marriage or be a good parent? And what's my spiritual gift and place in the church? What's my stewardship responsibility as a citizen? And and what does good government and leadership look like? I mean, we've been in Isaiah now for quite some time. And Isaiah has got quite a bit to say about good government or bad government, as the case may be, and, and the kind of leaders. And so when we come to the Bible, we come with our questions. You know what? We find the answers. You know, we learned that that verse in Bible school. You know, your word, talking to God, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. And God's word Shows us the way forward in any area of life and on every question we face.
1: It's been uh, fascinating as a as a team. We've gone through the Bible at the Family Research Council every morning. We have a discussion, and you help lead a seminary instruction for the the team as you as you give analysis of the scripture. But it, it's amazing how relevant it is to the world in which we live. I mean, every day we're seeing some application. And what I find, and this is what I would encourage, why I would encourage people, one of the reasons I would encourage people to be in the Word of God, is that in the midst of uncertainty, of chaos that we face, and it's increasing. I mean, it is getting worse. But we can have, number one, we can have peace. We can have assurance. We we can have a sense of stability Peace that passes all understanding, and even and hope in the midst of this, all coming from an understanding of God's word.
6: Absolutely, Tony, you're right. I mean, just to go to your earlier comment about, you know, uh, we're we're reading through Scripture together, and it's amazing to see what God tells each of us as we're, you know, coming together and and listening to one another and what the Holy Spirit has said when we open His Word, but you know, one of the big things uh, that we've seen is how God's word speaks to these contemporary things that are going on right now. I mean, when Congress was in, you know, in that redefinition of marriage debate, you know, there were numerous times uh, when what God was saying through what we were reading spoke directly to that debate, and especially the leaders who were promoting that ungodly piece of, of legislation, Again, God's Word is living and active, and it applies to us personally and to the circumstances and the culture around us. And I think you're right. It it gives us confidence. We're reading this ancient book, but yet is living and got a word for us today. And so we don't have to live with headline hysteria. You know, We don't have to wring our hands and just say, you know, uh, the world is just out of control. No, God's got it in
1: His hands. Right. He's
6: and sovereign, he's in charge, and he's got a fresh word for us today from, from the Bible.
1: I, I think it's the best anti-anxiety medicine we can take, yes. is a daily Absolutely. dose of the Word of God. And and I do a, a daily morning devotion that runs along with our study. We've got a number of resources available, and I'm going to talk yes. about that in a minute. But before I do... I, I want to get from you some of the reactions, the stories that you've heard from those who have participated in the plan. I see it on, on Facebook for those who engage in that daily devotion, and it's remarkable, and it's encouraging. What what are some of the reactions that uh, you've heard about from those who have participated in this Bible reading plan? Oh, man.
6: Uh, you know, I I've, uh, there's some pastors I've talked to Uh, and I'm not going to mention a name because, uh, you know, it it was personal conversation uh, between us, but I've had guys tell me, you know what, Um, in fact, a young guy in his 20s had a young guy tell me, you know, I I really have drifted. Um, I I went to seminary, and we kind of did the the autopsy (laughs) of the text. You know, we kind of, we did all that uh, word study and everything, and, and, and work through the text, and it was kind of like doing an autopsy on the text. But getting back into reading the Bible every day—literally, this young guy, this young young pastor—revitalized uh, his own personal faith and devotion to the Lord to get back into the Word of God and and read it not just so I'd have something to preach on Sunday, but because I want to walk with my God. And that, that testimony to me, that, that one shines out uh, beyond a lot of the others who, I and mean, there's a lot of encouraging testimonies that we've gotten from folks who have said, thank you so much uh, for doing this because it's really revitalized and renewed my faith.
1: Yeah, I've heard uh, messages from uh, families, hu- uh, wives and husbands who for the first time um, going through the Bible together and that it's brought the family together, strengthened the family. I have a number of uh, older Christians who said, You know, I, I, I'm, I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm, I'm 75 years old. This is the first time as a believer, and I've been a believer for a long time, first time I've ever read the Bible through. It's amazing. I wish I would have done it years ago. And so it's, it is, uh, I think, so timely, given where we are culturally where the church is and what we're going into that we need the word of god as david said it, it needs to be it needs to be planted in our hearts it doesn't need to be on the pages on a book that's on the shelf it needs to be living within us and the only way we can do that is by being in the word of god talk a little bit about some of the the resources and how people can jump in to this uh bible reading plan because many will say and you touched on this earlier but many would say i just don't have time for it like it sounds good but i'm too busy
6: uh, yeah a lot of people say you know the, the thing i would say back in return to that is you know we we make time for what's important to us and, and a lot of people they'll just get up in the first thing in the morning and they're scrolling through social media they're watching these stupid videos uh, they're checking on whose birthday it is, which you know, nothing wrong with that. And I'm glad that people care about people and want to know what's going on in their lives. But man, before I get to the news feed, before I get to the social media feed, I want to know what God has to say to me. I want to meet with Him first thing in the morning. That's what David said. You know, early will I seek You, and and that's it's so important. If we'll if we'll make that a priority, it's amazing what God will do to. Really flip the script on what could otherwise be a pretty bad day because we get bad news on the front end. Uh, it, it just sets our day in the right path to meet with God first thing in the morning. And you know what? Like you said, we're we're in the middle of it, sure. But guess where we are? We're right here in Isaiah, and Isaiah has so much to say about Jesus. Um, you know, his message, his mission his sacrificial death for our sins, his messianic kingdom that he's going to come and rule and reign on the earth. And we're about to get into that amazing section in Isaiah that has so much to say about Messiah. So I would encourage people jump in now and they can do that uh, by going to frc.org forward slash Bible. And there they'll get to the Uh, Page the web property that we have available. And if they want to, they can, you know, if you go to that page, you can download a calendar that has everything laid out for you in a PDF. They can print it out or they can order it. Uh, But that web property is just amazing. It's interactive. Uh, When you visit, uh, you'll find this very user-friendly format that offers links to that day's Bible reading. That'll be front and center. And you can choose between the English Standard Version, or the Old Reliable New King James Version, as well as an audio version for those who want to read, you know, hear the Bible read to them in a distinguished voice by Max McLean. Man, I just love that dude's voice. I wish I could talk like that. But also on that page, you've got a couple of questions for daily discussion that we talked about. And of course, on Sunday, we've got that debrief day where family and friends can gather and have a conversation about what God said to them over the past week. And that's one of the best things about the whole plan. But there are a couple of ways people can can get reminders. You can sign up on that page, frc.org forward slash Bible. You get reminders. One is you can get a daily email on that webpage. And so when you sign up, you get an email with the links to the readings the various versions, the two questions. But then you could also, if you want to, opt for a text. You get a weekly text that gives you the whole week in advance and you can get that by texting the word Bible to 67742. Uh, but wait, there's more as they say in those infomercials, right? The devotional videos, you do one pretty much every day, Tony. Uh, they, they can find some insightful commentary, some great scripture explanation, timely application from the Bible reading for that day. And we've got something new coming in January. We're going to start a new book, uh, middle of the month, or the end of the month, uh, we're going to be starting Jeremiah the prophet, and we've got our very first stand on the word study guide that's coming out about the third week in the month, and it is a 40-day journey with you, Tony, uh, titled Courage in a Cancel Culture. I mean, Jeremiah the prophet, he, he could be living today. Yeah. Because the stuff he faced then is what we're facing now, so it's pretty exciting what we've got available for folks who want to participate.
1: So do people need to be standing by for that um, journey yes. through Jeremiah, or can they can they pre-order it?
6: They, they need to stand by for that. We've got a we'll we'll have an ad up and running pretty soon for that. Um, but yeah, it'll be available right when we start. Uh, the book of jeremiah right. which i believe is the 21st of january
1: and uh, and i still use we've got a number of these this is a just a daily it's a calendar but it has the reading for each day mine's a little worn out but that's because we're a year into this but you can get these at the at the website that uh, keenan talked about yes. frc.org slash bible keenan always great to see you thanks so much for uh, joining us and look forward to this journey through the word of god this year
6: Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you. And folks, I would encourage you, make, um, make a, if you're making resolutions, you know, this would be a great one. Ten, 10 to 15 minutes a day just to be in the Word of God. What a wonderful use of the time. And do it as a family. Those questions that was designed to, to spark conversation among the kids and the family. It, it is great. I encourage you to take a look at it. All right. Until next time. Let me leave you once again with the encouraging words that the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says this. He says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.